The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Sunday. What a massive day of sport this has been and a fantastic one for Cork as well. Their first game in this year's Munster Senior Hurling Championship and they've marked it with a victory. It's a packed show on the way. We're going to react to that win for Cork over Waterford. Shawnee McGrath is on the way. Dylan O'Connell is at the park for us getting audio and uh, we'll hear from Pat Ryan and speak to Dylan. Um, we'll also react to Cork's loss in the Camogie but a victory in the ladies football. Sarah McKenzie Foley is going to join us to look back on the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and there's loads more besides loads of action in the Premier League it's currently Liverpool 3 Spurs 1 that's all way, all on the way between here and 7 Aidan Lee here with you on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM 0868-104-106 if you want to get in touch with us at Big Red Bench on Twitter also. Um, yeah, that was a pretty good start to the Munster Senior Hurling Championship for Cork. Uh, first ever uh, Senior Championship game for Pat Ryan as Cork manager as well. He's marked it with a win over David Fitzgerald's Waterford's 27 points to 18. Like I said, we'll have all the reaction. Dylan O'Connell is at Parky Creek for us. He's going to be speaking to Pat Ryan and we're going to get him on a call as well when he has uh, the chance to speak to us. We're going to hear from Shawnee McGrath on it. Very happy with that performance. Um, look, it was obviously clear that at uh, Waterford there was a lot taken out of them uh, from the game last week against Limerick. Um, but nonetheless, fantastic stuff. By the way, let's talk about, I suppose we haven't we haven't spoken since that game last night. Limerick and Clare, what a match. John Conlon is an absolute beast. What a man. Um, fantastic victory for Clare, ending a run of uh, victories in the championship or an unbeaten run at least anyway for Limerick since the All-Ireland semi-final in 2019 against Kilkenny which was some record and uh, Clare were the ones to turn them over getting revenge for that Munster final last year um, I suppose uh, we'll, we'll first of all look at the Premier League before we get into all of the GA action um, it's, uh, it ended Man United won Aston Villa nil, huge three points for Manchester United. That goes a long way towards getting them over the line in the top four. Bruno Fernandes got the goal. Here is the full-time report. United won, Aston Villa nil for long stretches. The game was hugely tactical. Villa tended to hold a high defensive line. But United found a way to penetrate six minutes before the break. And Rashford ran in behind. His shot was parried by keeper Martinez into the path of Fernandez, who fired in his 11th goal of the campaign from an angle. Villa's chances were minimal. Their best effort fell to Moreno in the first half. The his on target effort was well kept out by De Gea. It ended Manchester United 1, Aston Villa 0. Yeah, big uh, three points indeed for United. All right, Bournemouth were hosting Leeds in a huge game uh, at the other end of the table and it looks like Leeds are going to be departing the Premier League it ended Bournemouth 4 Leeds 1 Bournemouth 4 Leeds United 1 the Cherries are almost certainly safe having hit now 39 points and they did it in the end with a scoreline that was slightly flattering they did dominate for most part of the game but Leeds went close on a couple of occasions two brilliant saves from Neto after Jefferson Lerma had put a uh, Bournemouth on the way to victory with two right-footed shots. Leeds got 
Patrick Bamford did, but then those crucial saves, and then the icing on the cake with late goals from uh, Semeno and also from Dominic Solanke. They finished Bournemouth 4, Leeds Finished Bournemouth 4, Leeds 1 indeed. Um, I think ET was trying to phone home there halfway through that. Erling Haaland put Man City into the lead from the penalty spot earlier today before Julian Alvarez um, put uh, City back on top um, in just a matter of 15 minutes. Uh, it means City are back on top of the Premier League table. Here is the full-time report. Fulham 1, Manchester City 2. Manchester City are back on top of the Premier League, but they've had to work for it. Erling Haaland's 50th, 34 goal in the Premier League was a record equaling one. He gave their City the lead from the spot. Then Vinicius Carlos, they levelled for Fulham. Julian Alvarez with a wonderful strike. Whatever you win in any game has won us this game for City. New, now 18 unbeaten and eight straight victories in the Premier League. Fulham 1, Manchester City 2. Yeah, and uh, I suppose Arsenal fans have had a pretty tough. Uh, week or so um, I, I know the whole talk about the, the whole bottle job and everything I don't think it was the game against City that, that you would have categorised as the bottle job it's more the six points dropped in three games against fairly poor opposition before that uh, is probably where you'd be looking at but it's probably still even harsh again like yeah, Arsenal have done well to get in the position they were in but I guess when you're in that position you have to go on and win it it looks like City now they've got the advantage they're still in the march and uh they're in a bid for a treble. That'd be, that'd, that would be awful, to be fair. <laughs> but anyway, uh, United might be able to stop them in the FA Cup final. It's uh, It ended Newcastle, United 3, Southampton 1. Southampton, I'd say, will be saying goodbye to them also. Newcastle 3, Southampton 1. A routine home win for Newcastle after a first-half scare. Stuart Armstrong bundled home a close-range opener in what was a good showing by the bottom club. But the home pressure started early in the second as Callum Wilson, on as a sub, got in between the two Saints centre-halves to stay at Newcastle level. VAR then called an offside to deny Wilson a second, but the pressure told when the ball diverted off an unlucky Theo Walcott and in for an own goal. Then Wilson did get his second, rounding McCarthy and slotting home. Newcastle 3, Southampton 1. Yeah, and uh, the current game is Liverpool 3, Tottenham 1 at Anfield with 76 minutes gone there. There's also about 76 minutes gone at Croke Park where Kildare have missed a massive chance here. Kildare were ahead 10 points to 8 a matter of minutes ago and it's now Dublin 14 points, Kildare 12. What an opportunity that Kildare have missed there to get a victory over Dublin which... They haven't done in so, so long. Stephen Cluxton starting in goals for Dublin today, um, which is big, big news. Um, oh, what a chance that is. It's heading towards full-time now, 75, 76 minutes, gone at Croke Park. It's going to be a Dublin Louth, um, Leinster final. Louth defeated Offaly in extra time, 27 points to 2.15. And it's their first final since the Joe Sheridan final uh, in 2010. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing plenty of uh, footage and uh, of, of promos uh, from the 2010 final. Elsewhere full-time in the Ulster Championship, it's going to be Armagh versus Derry in the Ulster final because Armagh have given down a fair hammering, 410 to 12 points it ended there. Um, I suppose the biggest thing was Reen O'Neill back in the team. Um for Armagh uh, getting a goal as well so um, it's looking looking good for Armagh again um, to be fair they 
they were they were very good to watch last year and uh, to be good to see them back in obviously we're going to see a lot of them in, in the almost round robin that we're going to have for the All-Ireland Football Championship as well so uh, that's also a good result for Cork Cork needed that they also needed Lowe to beat Offaly so as far as I can tell that means that Cork will be in the Sam Maguire I think don't I think anyway um, it should be it should mean that I think Cork uh, if Down and Offaly were to have won I think Cork would have been in trouble so both of them lost surely that means they're safe um, elsewhere we had Leinster hurling action and it turned out to be a cracker of a game as well and uh, McLaughlin on his debut for Galway getting an equaliser of a point near the end at Nolan Park here's Stephen Gleeson it was 125 to 28 points between Galway and Kilkenny a fantastic match here on Northside finished level here 125 for Galway 28 points for Kilkenny here huge drama as Declan McLaughlin hit the equaliser 6 minutes into time added on at the end of the game it was a match that Galway started very brightly in with Brian Concannon goaling after just seven minutes, soloing down and firing low to the Kilkenny net. The Galway intensity was a feature of the game early on, but Kilkenny grew into it as the half wore on and Mikey Butler struck a huge point approach in half time from his own defence to level it coming up to half time and it was level at the break. 113 for Galway, 16 points for Kilkenny. On the restart, Billy Ryan soloed from centre field for Kilkenny and struck over the bar after balancing the ball perfectly on his hurley. TJ Reid added another free to leave it 19 points to 113 on 39 minutes and Kilkenny pushed on and then with just 15 minutes to go, Owen Cody and Adrian Mullen pointed from the left wing to leave it 26 points to one goal and 18. Both sides had good passages of play before Galway got back into it and clawed their way back into this match and got a last gasp equaliser right at the end here from Declan McLaughlin to finish it up here on north side 125 for Galway 28 points for Kilkenny yeah and uh, Dublin have gotten over the line as well against Kildare the full time score 14 points to 12 all right, let's get our teeth into that massive win for Cork against Waterford at Parky Cueve in their opening game of the Munster Senior Hurling Championship for 2023. And it was a game Cork really needed to win to get on the front foot in this tournament because a loss today means you have to go and get something against Tipperary next week, which looks at a lot more uh, appealing uh, task now after seeing that performance for Cork. But the job today was to get a victory. They did that. It was emphatic. Here is Shawnee McGrath. I spoke to him on his way out of Parky Cueve. All right, Cork legend Shawnee McGrath is on the line after a very impressive victory for Cork in their opener in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. Shawnee, that was pretty good. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, everything that we hoped for, I suppose, Aiden matched him for intensity and um, got some early scores on the board, built up a good half-time lead and even after half-time when Watford came at him and got a couple of early scores, Cork responded brilliantly um, and went toe for toe for that second half and Watford didn't get in for the goal. Brilliant keeping from Patrick Collins and the defence for Beckland in front of my tower outstanding throughout the game so fantastic day for Cork Hurley and it caps a, a brilliant weekend I suppose with Ben O'Connor's under 21's doing so well on Friday night so it's been a fantastic Ben Cosby weekend Absolutely yeah like Cork set the tone straight away physically as well and it's been a, it's been a while since we've seen a Cork team do that It has but I think you know that's probably what Pat Ryan had looked at from day one when he came in that the game is so physical now you look at Clare and Limerick last night and earlier today Kilkenny and, and Galway tackling is so so hard and 
you know, there's no quarter given and, you know, there's sort of a war zone in the wrong midfield there with, you know, forwards coming out four across the half forward line. So it means that, you know, to break tackles, you need to be physically very, very strong to hold up fellas. You need to be, you know, strong upper body strength. And I thought Cork's intensity and power, especially in that 15 minutes where they set the tone and they wouldn't let Waterford's running game where they can, you know, draw the man and create overlaps. They didn't let him settle into any rhythm. And that's testament to Pat and his backroom team and the strength and conditioning they've done in the, in the winter because they looked extremely strong and completely out muscled them throughout the whole game. Darrell Fitzgibbon proved his worth, didn't he? Back from injury straight away. He was so good in that opening 10, 15 minutes and like he's a massive part of this team going forward. Oh, yeah, he was outstanding. I think he got four or five brilliant points and for a fellow that hasn't played any league hurling, I was a little worried myself about him going in because, you know, the league games do give you something when it comes to fitness and sharpness, but he was so, so sharp. He must have been a candidate for man of the match. Brilliant scores. And again, in the second half, maybe when Waterford coming at us, it was, it was Darrell's lunging runs and great scores off his left that sort of you know, got momentum back with Cork and throughout the whole whole game he was absolutely a revelation and it just goes to show what an athlete apart from his hurting ability just what an athlete he is to, you know, to go through the whole sort of winter campaign or spring without any league and to come in and put a performance like that was just incredible Another candidate for man of the match is probably Rob Downey who I suppose answered a lot of questions that maybe would have been hanging over him and did it really well today I thought he was absolutely super yeah, he was super airily. He was, oh, Jenny, there was no one coming anywhere near him. But to be fair to him, I think he finished the league so, so well. Um, he was probably the best player in Nolan Park a couple of weeks ago when there wasn't too many bright spots. Um, and Rob today, with a, a number of different markers on him, just couldn't get anywhere near him. He got two marvellous points, um, cut out any of those crossfield balls that, try and, that Waterford trained great overlaps on. His reading of the game was absolutely outstanding. His first touch was brilliant and his long distance striking. So all combined, he ended up having a, definitely a 9, nearly 10 out of 10 performance. And you're right, he was probably a candidate for a man the match. Defensively, I suppose, is the, is the biggest um, positive maybe to take away from that because we know what Cork have up front. Like We know the talent that's there. It's always um, it's always at the back, really, that, that kind of catches Cork out. And so strong today, Damien Catalan, great save on the line, wasn't it, uh, from a shot coming in. And, like, they just, they were so solid. And like that, a few goal chances were given away, but they snuffed them out. They were, they were very solid and very disciplined as well, I thought. Um, you know, at times when Waterford were running at them, they went toe-to-toe. They didn't give away silly frees. They did foul at the right time and on other occasions. You know, I'm with Captain Sean O'Donoghue out. You know, I thought Jermel did really, really well when he came in as well. Um, did excellent in, in the number seven jersey and, you know, gave us all before he was substituted. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's a little bit critical of our defence. I think, you know, um, over the last couple of years, we've probably been a little bit unlucky, maybe lacked a bit of cuteness at the right time. I thought we were very, very cute today, out in front of our man, moved the ball quickly from defence to midfield and, you know, transitioned into the forward line brilliantly. And to the forwards, I suppose, Aiden, yeah, we've got some of the best attackers in the game, but you still have to keep coming and turning up and doing your stuff and they finished with 25, 26 points all contributing every single player got their name in the score sheet I thought Dickie Dalton's long distance freeze at times was very, very good Patrick Hogg got two excellent points Jimmy Harrity um, got three brilliant points yeah. and Han as well I thought Connolly Han in the first half was really, really good really sharp creating some scores getting freeze and got two great points so all in all that forward line and the two substitutes that came on Shane Kingston and um, Robbie O'Flynn also contributed so brilliant day for Cork all round two incidents really in the first half I suppose they were the only maybe standout moments uh, from a, a refereeing point of view let's say uh, that Kieran uh, uh, Joyce tackle trip maybe he got away with it uh, it was uh, well it was given as a free in wasn't it uh, but maybe got away with uh, out, or actually I don't think there was any free given at all uh, probably got away without giving the penalty and maybe a possible black card too and the other one was the Conor Gleeson one where I thought he was incredibly lucky to get a yellow card I don't know if you've been able to see those back now uh, have it been at the game 
Yeah, to be honest, um, Aidan, I thought that Connor, at least in one, was he was tussling with Connor Lehan, and then Shemi Hannity came in to give a bit of support. And, you know, I think he kind of got him to the ground more so than a dirty strike. Um, and Christopher or Kieran Joyce is one of the first half. Yeah, you could argue maybe it should have been a free. To be fair to Mike Ryan, um, I thought he refereed the game in general, though, Aidan. Well, I thought he left the game go. Um, you know, he didn't have it a stop start because, you know, on a warm summer's day like today, you know, the Cork fans, especially whatever Waterford, I think Cork fans were hoping for a good, fast-flowing game. And in fairness, Mike Ryan, I think he did well. And, and the week that's in it with so much controversy controversy going on with referees and all Kenny referees standing down, I thought Mike, Mike Ryan did a really good job in the middle of the field today. Um, I suppose then, just to finish up, like you said, the Cork fans today, they they were expectant, or I don't know, was expectant the right word, but they were they they were hungry for a win today. Were, were the Cork supporters, and uh, that's probably the most pleasing thing. Uh, big crowd in Parky Cueve, getting to see a really good performance and ultimately a victory as well, because there's been far too many moral victories, hasn't there, over the last couple of years? It was good to see a proper win. Definitely, but I think over the last couple of weeks, you know, we've got our minor team and our under twenties in a, in a must final. Um, you know our senior team contested the semi-final of the National Hurling League um, they'll have been desperate, desperate disappointed with that but certainly when you don't play a first round game you're always tentative tentative myself worried because you know you're playing a team like Waterford that played the All-Ireland Champions last week and there's a huge difference between playing practice games and A versus B games inside the training and playing you know the, the intensity kind of that goes with championship yeah. that cauldron um, so Cork didn't have that advantage so we were all a little bit tentative but I think it was obvious from the first Minute the ball was thrown in, Cork were so up for it. You know, you could sense it from the um, you could sense it from the stands. You know, like that 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 the energy that they were displaying and um, the you know, kind of togetherness. Everyone fighting for the ball, kind of fist pumps when they over overturn something. You know, they're all little anecdotes. They're all little things that suggest that you know these fellows are up for it and they're mad for it. And then obviously then you have to put the scores on the board. And you know they had a couple of wides in the first half, but. No, they were absolutely outstanding. Some of their scores and their long distance striking and their ability to find the man in the best position, some of the runs from the inside line and the out lads outside being being able to find him. That was an absolute joy to watch. So it was brilliant, but it, as I said, it caps off a fantastic couple of weeks, you know, underage wise, yeah. minors, Fraggy's minor team, Ben's under twenties teams, and you know, I suppose Pat Ryan was under his own pressure. It was his debut as well as yeah. as a as a manager and, you know, all his selectors as well. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. They represented Cork absolutely brilliant today. Played a really fast brand of hurling. Um, let the ball go quickly you know they had to you know, combat a really tactical astute guy in the line of David Fitz and I thought they did a brilliant job so caps off to them all they can enjoy a few points tonight and then relax <laughs> yeah Jesus next weekend against Tipperary that's absolutely mouth-watering now like you're looking at a sellout for that yeah it's going to be a huge game and when I say a few points I don't mean the players because they're <laughs> going to a full dose of rehab um, it's a very very fast turnaround this will be a massive game the last Saturday night game I remember that was a titanic battle was um was it 2018 Cork and Limerick it ended up a draw and if you know the weather if the weather could hold out we could get another fine Saturday night well I expect a huge crowd I think one of our tips sorry will travel in huge numbers and not saying we'll get a sellout but it'll be some atmosphere I'd imagine exciting times ahead Shawnee McGrath thanks a minute for joining us on the bigger bench no bad reading pleasure mate yeah, Shawnee McGrath there uh, speaking after a huge win for Cork over Waterford in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. And I'm delighted to say now that Dylan O'Connell joins us on the line from Parky Cueve. Dylan, uh, pretty good victory. You've just been speaking to Pat Ryan, which we'll hear uh, in a couple of moments' time. But um, there was a good buzz down there, I'd say. Yeah, fantastic buzz. And the performance matched the buzz. I mean... What more can we say about a 27 to 18 point victory where Cork comfortably held up Waterford for the whole afternoon? 
Yeah, I think the way I said that to Sean McGrath, the way Cork started, they just set the tone and like Waterford, if there was any doubts in their mind, by God, did Cork drive that home because they hit them from word go and, and they hit them hard. Yeah, like, I mean, from the first minute, uh, Cork were all over Waterford. Uh, and I mean, all over Waterford, they just racked up the, sk- they just racked up the scores. Um, even like uh, Waterford's biggest threat, Stephen Bennett, he only hit, he hit five points in the first half and four of those are from threes. I think Waterford only hit one point from open play in the, the opening 35 minutes, which kind of speaks volumes of how relentless Cork were during uh, during the first half. And it just set the tone. If there was no relent, there was no let up. They just kept going for the solid 70 minutes. I think the the accuracy in the first half, and yeah, there was one or two wides, and most of the wides actually came from place balls. I think they were more accurate from from open play, but they just set the tone. Accuracy with passing, with like Pat Collins's pokeouts were brilliant. The ball to Conor Lehan for the score there midway through the first half, super ball, loads of space in front of Lehan as well, which is a testament to the work being done just in front of him in the middle of the field to make that space. And they were just full of ideas. Like even the tackling was accurate. If that's if that's such a thing, you know, they were, it was brilliant stuff. Yeah, like, I think the tackling was a, cruci- a, cru- a crucial thing. Like last week when Waterford played played Limerick in Temple Stadium, I know I keep going on about it, but Stephen Bennett hit 13 points that day and 10 of those points came from freeze. So like, you know, for the tackling, you need to stop give away freeze because they're going to give away freeze. Bennett is one of the best free takers in the country. He's going to put those away and Cork didn't give those freeze away. And that was a major contribution today. And even at that though, when it came to Cork and just, I think, the forward line, uh, if Cork didn't score a single free today, they'd still have won the game by a point, which kind of shows how dominant they actually were. They have that many scores. Yeah, and I think nice to see uh, Patrick Horgan getting uh, playing such a prominent role in the Cork side, picking up his uh, I think couple from play and uh, nice new freeze as well. Himself and Decky Dalton alternating between the long range ones too, which um, I suppose it was it was depending on what side of the goals they were at as well. Um, so it was it was very positive to see that it's nice to see Patrick Horgan playing well isn't it because he hasn't had the smoothest of uh, maybe years or two years let's say so it's good to see him confident and like a dangerous Patrick Horgan at the edge of the square in a Cork team that's going well it's uh, it's a good recipe yeah like I suppose people think of Cork hurling and this team the, the first player that comes to mind is Patrick Horgan he is I suppose if you just use um, American football parallels the franchise player he is the number one player in this Cork team and like it's always fantastic to see Patrick Horgan he, you know even that he comes from one of the most storied clubs in Cork hurling the Glen Rovers so it's always important you know to have that tradition there represented which is fantastic and to be honest I'm really advocating at this point for a free taking competition between him Dermot Burns and Stephen Bell to see who actually is the best free taker in the country because the three of them are just so accurate with what they can do with a ball from a distance it's incredible Absolutely, yeah. Just to bring you up to date also, Richarlison has just equalised for Spurs in the 92nd minute. It's 3-all at Anfield. That's Richarlison's first goal of the season, if I'm not mistaken, in the league at least. Anyway, what a turnaround that is for Tottenham. Uh, They've pulled that one out the bag, anyway, just as a side note. Um, But yeah, uh, not taken away from what's going on, what happened there in Parky Cueve today, I suppose. Um, Let's just cast our eye on the first game of the day. Uh, it was the Camogie clash between Cork and Waterford. Unfortunately, Cork coming out on the wrong side and after losing the league final as well, um, they'd, they'd be really disappointed. Yeah, it was the Munster quarterfinal. There was a good crowd here at Sport, uh, the Rebels and they started quite well. They got the goal, Amy O'Connor. They were, Amy O'Connor was fantastic. Uh, she led them by the forward line. But Waterford, I don't know if they were hungrier or what, but Waterford just pulled away from it from there on in. 
And in the second half, I think Cork didn't get a score I think, for the first 10 minutes. And this is off the top of my head. So it was just, it was, I suppose, it was an argument to forget. But it could be, like, it could be a good defeat in the long term. And I said this to the manager that, like, because Cork's priority is the All-Ireland, they're not out again now until the start of June, as far as I know, uh, when they're away to Galway in the All-Ireland Camogie Championship. So the feeling like that could tell Cork where they need to go wrong, where things are going wrong, where they need to improve. So it could end up being the best thing that happened to Cork this season. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff here. Liverpool are after taking the lead again. It's 4-3 now at Anfield, just as you were speaking there about the uh, Cork versus Watford Camogie again. That's, uh, that's what's his name? That's uh, Jota, isn't it? That's after getting that goal for Liverpool there in the two goals in two minutes there in added time. Jurgen Klopp is loving that in the sideline. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, fantastic stuff there. Um, yeah, no, hopefully uh, Cork can get on the right track again. And obviously as well, a lot of players involved with the double scheduling like of a, a football game, and a, our, our latest football game and a Camogie game on the same day as well. Like it's very difficult for both managers to try and navigate that. Yeah, sure. Was it Waterford Ross missing a player today? And uh, they admitted it in the post match that they were missing a player today. But like, I don't think this should be reflective, reflective of Cork or it should be reflective of Waterford. I think they need, they need to look at the fixturing here to see can they not have a clash? Because can you imagine a situation where I know there's not that many, uh, there's not much of an overlap between the Cork footballers this year. But like, can you imagine at a club level if the Barrows were playing? Uh, hurling and football on the same day and you and Brian Hayes have to play her have to play both hurling and football that day for the Barrows and play back to back games. It is not going to happen and I feel that they need they need to work out a scheduling system here or something to avoid these cro- crossovers so teams can get their best players out and give the best best version of the game on the pitch for the spectators. Because it's unfair as well on the players themselves because they want to play. They want to play both games. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I think everybody, should, if they want to be a dual star, they should be able to go and achieve it because it's gone now from the men's game. Like, I mean, such great athletes that we had here in Cork as well. Like, I suppose Cork have always been known for having those dual athletes, and hopefully they can sort it out because it's always great to see uh, a dual athlete, uh, whether it's uh, male or female. So, hopefully that can be sorted in the long run. Dylan, I'm going to let you head away, man. Uh, it's been a long day down there at Parky Cueve. But uh, thankfully, I suppose it's been a happy one as well from the point of view of the Cork Senior Hurlers. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Pat Ryan, who you, you've been speaking to. So thanks a million for joining us here on the Big Red Bench and all the work today. Oh, thank you very much, Aidan, and have a great week. Absolutely brilliant stuff there. Dylan O'Connell joining us live on the line from Parky Cueve. We're going to hear now from his chat with the Cork Senior Hurling Manager, Pat Ryan, who's won his first ever championship game. Well, Pat, the first time since 2018 the Cork opened up the Munster Championship with a win. He must be quite relieved. I look, I was just relieved. Look, just delighted that the lads um, came out and performed um, and showed what, what we could see in training, the way they were going, and the commitment they were giving to us. So, uh, and look, they represented them, themselves, their families, and their clubs were proud, and that's what we wanted. And in fairness to them, they were um, they really went after the game. Were you a bit surprised at how the game went, considering how close Waterford pushed Limerick last week? Yeah, look, I, I did. Look, I suppose I'm not really going to talk about Waterford. Look, we were delighted with the way our fellas went, and uh, look, I thought we hunted them down. And we turned them over a good bit and put pressure on all their shots and look we had a couple of we left a good few chances out, ourselves out, 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 out there um, got a great start into the game and look it, it worked really well for us but uh, look it is um, obviously tied to work it was a big loss for them you know obviously a fantastic player so look um, we, we won't be taking anything for granted we recover now and get ready to go next Saturday yeah because like you have Tipperary now coming down next week with a free scoring Jake Morris I suppose the plan now is to how do you nullify him and Tipperary I don't think you're going to nullify him too much to be honest yeah. with you I, th- I think look I think it's trying to it's trying to 
um, is trying to just 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 keep him as quiet as you can, and end up he's going to get scores. The brilliant players, uh, our job is to try and get more scores than them, and, and, and try and make it as hard as possible for them. So look, that will give us good confidence the way we played there today. So we'll just get our recovery in and ready to go for Tipperary next week. One thing you can take confidence from is every player playing in midfield and forward and forward. I suppose everyone forward of the midfield scored today, which is quite quite good going. Yeah, it is. Look, look, but we've a lot of good attacking players, and look, we're delighted with the scoring. You know, so look, we need to spread the scores when we're playing this game. Look, obviously, it's going to be a bit disappointed we didn't get any goal um, but look um, I think I think uh, Billy Nolan made a fantastic save from Brian but in fairness to Brian worked his socks off and got a point out of that so um, look but we'll have to look at that now over the next uh, next couple of days to see can we um, look at where we can uh, create a few goals for opportunities against the Prairie because I'm sure we need them and like I know Patrick Collins as well Patrick Collins is fantastic he made three crucial saves in, in the second half he did he made a couple of great saves and I think look in fairness our last ditch our last ditch um, defending was very good as well so our fellas were coming back and getting around the ball and making the hard so it helped to protect Pat which was fantastic so look that's what Paz there for we know how good Paz you know he was very disappointed last year when he dropped the ball tonight against Galway so he's worked really really hard in this game over the last couple of last couple of months and uh, look delighted with his performance today for us oh brilliant and thanks many for this oh. yeah, thanks Pat yeah super stuff there Pat Ryan speaking to Dylan O'Connell for us at Parky Cueve after his first ever victory uh, in the Senior Hurling Championship. Big day for Pat Ryan, big day for the Cork Hurlers. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Like, what a 10 minutes that was there as I was talking to Dylan. Spurs equalise, Liverpool go grab a winner down the other end. Uh, fairly hilarious game of football, it has to be said. Jurgen Klopp screaming into the face of the fourth official and then pulling his hamstring on the sideline, celebrating the Diogo Jada winner. We'll get a clip for full time for that. But let's take a breather. Take a quick break we'll be back after this The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6 Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock and we still have a lot to get through let's first of all get a full time clip from Croke Park Dublin have beaten Kildare by two points in the Leinster Senior Football Championship semi-final and they go on to play loud. Here's Jonathan Higgins. Full time in Crow Park where Dublin have defeated Kildare by 14 points to 12. Much of the pre-match talk was about the returning Stephen Cluxon, but it was a hard-working Kildare who led at the interval by eight points to six. Kildare also scored the first two points of the second half via Ben McCormack and a Paddy Woodgate free. Dublin ground their way back into the game with centre-back Keane Murphy level in the sides, 11 points apiece in the 53rd minute. Neil Flynn scored his side's first score in 12 minutes to edge Kildare back in front, but this was quickly cancelled out by a point from Jack McCaffrey. A Cormac Costello free in the 65th minute put Dublin into the lead for the first time. Lorcan O'Deal added another point in injury time to wrap up a hard-fought victory. Dublin will now play loud in the Leinster final in a fortnight's time. Full-time score, Dublin 14 points, Kildare 12. Yeah, big missed opportunity there for Kildare against Dublin at Croke Park. All right, the curtain raiser at Parky Cueve, as we mentioned with Dylan before the break, was the Munster Muggy Championship quarterfinal between Cork and Waterford. Unfortunately, the Rebels came out on the losing side of that one. 118 to 115 was the final score. Dylan caught up with Camogie senior manager Matthew Toomey after the game. Answer I thought you wanted. No, no, um, very disappointed with it. Um, Farms wasn't there and we got what we deserved. Waterford were better than us today. Um, you can't skip around it. We just have to have a, a fairly frank conversation there with the players. Out. We were um, kind of going in again, like, you know, just we, we should be beating 
um, and Parky Keith, a team like that, like, and we, we just to come to him and fair play. Even in the opening quarter of an hour, like you were struggling to impose yourselves on the game. That's what's disappointing. Like you know, the opportunities to play here in front of a game like this, and, and you know, we, we didn't take it. We didn't. We didn't look like a team in cohesion. We didn't look like a team that was wanted to win it. Like you know, Waterford, they wanted to win it, and, and they showed more desire, and we didn't. And, and like that's what you, you, you can't compensate for that, and you can't defend it. Like I, I defend the players at the end of the year, but I can't defend what happened up there. Amy's uh, goal and Orla's point sort of brought you into a give you a lead, a short term lead. It was gone within seconds. It was, yeah, they looked their forwards were um, prolific, like, and, and we gave them opportunities, like, they, they dictated the whole way the game played, they, you know, their, their set up, and we, we just followed them like sheep, like, and instead of us up and normal marking that we didn't, and to be fair to Waterford, they didn't let us either, like, but we, we, like, we have a lot of players out there with all our middles, and, 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 you know, there was no leaders out there when we needed leaders to, to change the game into our favour, um, and every opportunity they got, they nailed it, and, you know, fair play to them. And why do you think things were the way they were from a car point of view today? Well, I suppose we're coming off a bad defeat. Um, like, we've 32 on our panel, we're down 11 players today. Like we still had quality out in the field, but like they just, I, like I can't put my finger on it really because we had two good weeks this league final. Um, we were expecting a performance today, like whether we won it or not. Like it was an amazing concern, but the performance wasn't there. Like I know we got 115, but it wasn't a performance good enough for that Cork jersey man. While it's a different competition to the All Ireland, this is a big setback. It's a yeah, there's no you can't you can't hide it up. It is a setback. Yeah, yeah. Look, we've I think four or five weeks now to play Galway. Look, that's the challenge on the players now, see if they can respond for that. If, if we get a response, look, we, we can beat anyone, but that kind of performance is not going to beat anyone. And like, it's going to be a tough ass to go up to Galway first day out. Absolutely, but that's the way it should be. Um, like, this, this team has a lot of pride in, you know, down through the years, we, we have a great record. Um, this is the, this is one of these kind of key moments, a key game now that we, like, we're demanding the players to give everything because, look, if we can't go up there and get a response, um, no, I, 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 look, I, I think we would make things very difficult for ourselves. I'm assuming, and it's fair to say, the girls are hurting inside. They are. Look, yeah, they had an honest kind of conversation there as well inside. There. Like, I think they're questioning, you know, like we were beaten for a lot of the balls. We, we lost a lot of laugh, a lot of rocks. You know, we turned over a lot of times. We are bullied out of it down here, and that shouldn't be happening. And it's, it's not a case that they've just become bad players overnight? No, look. No, the, I suppose the, look, the conference was done after the big league final. Um, but look, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't say they're bad players, no, they're not. But it's just, I think we have to kind of, we have a lot of sideshows going on, and I think we have to get rid of a lot of them sideshows and concentrate on what we're meant to be doing. It's obviously back to the drawing board at training during the week and try and pick up the pieces. Yeah, that's that's our job. Like, you know, that's what we're here for. We have to go back now, choose the night and train, turn this thing around, and you know, I suppose go back to basics in some ways. Would you be worried about those side shows that you mentioned that they can be uh, taken off the table? Oh, they're, they're, they're taken off the table already, yeah. I suppose there's no such thing as a good defeat in sport, though, but still, a loss like this kind of shows you where you need to improve or need to work on all the pitch. Yeah, well, I'd, say we had, we'd like, I'd say we had enough of them since the league final. We'd have to find them more. No, that's the problem. Yep, Matthew Toomey there speaking to the press afterwards uh, after that defeat and uh, interesting thoughts from him and it's not a very easy interview to do there either and um, 
I'm sure, look, they have a bit of a break now, the Cork Senior Camogie team, and maybe try to get back on track for the All-Ireland Championship. Um, I suppose one thing maybe that Machitoumi is alluding to could be the, as we said, as we talked about with Dylan before the break, is the fact that there was the footballers and, and the Camogie team out on the same day, and there's players that are on both teams and they have to make a choice which is unfair on the player they shouldn't be put in that position um, of course the Cork Ladies footballers were in action in care in Tipperary in their Munster Championship they got over the line they got came out on the right side of it it was 117 to 114 uh, let's hear what Shane Renane has to say speaking to Chief Sub-Editor of the Echo Rory Noonan Shane obviously battle right to the end but no, it's nice to come over with bat- on top in a battle like that yeah, look, I suppose I think we, we actually made it into a battle ourselves. I think in the first half, some of our decision-making wasn't, wasn't good enough. Attacking-wise, it was something we've been working on and we didn't implement in the first 15 minutes especially. And Tip raced into a 4-1 lead and looked to were, were full value for it. They came out of the traps very strong. Um, and I think, you know, that three points, there was a good win there. I mean, you've got a kicker like Maloney, I suppose. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be dodgy because you know she, she can put the ball over the bar from 40 meters, 45 meters, freeze or anything like that. You know, normally you, you can maybe give away a free on the 45 or so. But so we, we made it a bit hard for ourselves. But I think we look, we we sorted out a few things that we had to sort out. Uh, I think the girls battled through. You know, we'd have been aimed there today to get the last score of the game, and we we, we all got the last score of the game. And I suppose I don't know where the injury time came from. It was it was getting a bit ropey, but look. It's championship football. I didn't expect anything less from Tipperary because they're a good team, and you know they were they were gunning for us. You know they, they had a point to prove as well. But as I said, this month's championship is going to be exciting. You know games go either way. Like the other game was tight as well, so it, it's going to be an exciting month's championship. Look at it there. Obviously, as we said, they got off to a great start. But credit to the girls, they settled down. They came back into contention. Emer Kiley early on really was matching Maloney for scores, and they were crucial. And her goal as well became crucial at the end. Yeah, yeah. Look, I suppose they, they won the first quarter four one. I think we won the second quarter seven one. So I suppose that was that was important. I suppose. But look, there. You know, the, we finished. We finished. You know, we got a good goal there at the end. Uh, probably could have got a couple of more goals in the first half. Things were done properly. But again, look. It's a learning curve. There's a, there's a lot of girls out there like who are making their championship debuts today, and I think that's that's a huge bonus for us. That we had young players with three minors started. There's other girls making their debuts. Probably you know probably four or five girls out there made their made their championship debut for Cork today. Maybe even more. So look, we're very happy. I'm very happy with the impact off the bench as well. Um, and it just shows you we're missing a few with injuries and things like that, and we were still able to respond today. With a, with, a, with a strong team and five subs coming on as well and look there's plenty more girls there as well who could have made an impact as well but you know unfortunately we were only able to use five and, and you just mentioned injuries there obviously you lost another player to injury any update on Rachel at this stage Rachel Lee? No too early with Rachel um, you know it's, it's a knee injury it's swelling up at the moment um, but the doctor and the physio they, they couldn't tell us at the moment what it's going to be but look, I, I'd, look she, I'd say she's definitely out next week so Look, we'll, we'll hope it's only a, you know, it's, it's a contact injury, maybe that's what we're hoping this it is, it is, so, you know, you're talking about a couple of weeks, but yeah, look, because the most championship so condensed, you know, she's going to miss a couple of games, but look, which is very unfortunate for her, but she had a good start to the game, she's a young player with a lot of talent, so, look, hopefully, hopefully it won't be too serious. And, and obviously all attention now very quickly turns to Kerry next weekend, day one as well today, so it becomes a big, big clash, and always was a big clash anyway, but really now two and two of you winning going into it, this will decide really one side into the Munster final after next weekend? Yeah, look, I suppose if you, if you win next weekend, um, you know, you're, you, you should be in Munster final, but then again, you could win You could win against Kerry next weekend and you could lose to Waterford, and you, you could end up with a three-way tie, uh, if Waterford beat Tipperary and Waterford beat, beat us, so 
you know, it, 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 there's no way you can take the foot off the pedal, but look, we're looking forward to playing Kerry next weekend. They've been unbelievably impressive. They were impressive again to go down to Warford today, um, you know, and I, I think it, look, it, the game next, next Sunday in Parky Creeve is going to be a humdinger because I think it's two very good sides, two sides who like to play attacking football. There won't be much um, defensive sweepers in place and things like that, so it could be a shootout. I think well, our shooting will have to be better than what it was today if we want to beat Kerry, and look, that's what we'll work on during the week. Small little things need to be sorted out, but it looks there's only a quick turnaround. So, uh, look, hopefully all the bodies come through today and Rachel's, Rachel isn't too serious and we'll, look, we'll be ready for Kerry. And the players that we're missing today through injuries like Samara, Lauren, you know, Sarah Leahy and Ella. And it, would you be hopeful to have some of them next weekend or is it too early for them? Um, look, I'd, I'd be hoping maybe more and Sarah would be would be ready. Um, you know, maybe this was a week too soon and Sarah tweaked something during the week. Fitzy's probably maybe two weeks off. Um, you know, and I think look, we, we probably have we, we could have Libby back now next Sunday as well because uh, you know there's no clash next Sunday. So I'd be hoping to have Libby back. And look, Libby's a hugely important player for us. Um, you know, she wins unbelievable dirty ball in the half hour line and will able to take a score as well. So it'll be great to have Libby back available next weekend. And look, Hannah came off the bench today, did very well, and we're delighted to have her today. Uh, and again, like, like Derek Kylie had a super start to the league. But got injured, and that was our first game now since we played Dublin. So, you know, it's, it, 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 the panel is very strong, and we're very happy with that. And we're going to need it for the next few weeks, already because uh, three games in three weeks is hard going. And, um, you know, heat like that, then as well, it was the first time all year you're, you're playing a game, and that kind of stifling heat. You know, every other day has been kind of cold and damp and winterish and things like that, even the last few weeks. So, today was a, it was a big step up with regards to intensity, and I suppose. Um, Championship pace and look, we're delighted to get over the win because it is a difficult place to come. Uh, as you said, the important thing was getting the points today. You've done that, you can now move on. Yeah, look, that's it. We could have won by 10 points, we could have won by one point. At the end of the day, Championship football is about winning, you know, and uh, if we win every game fighting on our backs for the rest of the year, you know, we're still going to be, we'll still, we'll still go where we want to go. You don't have to play ex- expensive football every day of the week. Uh, it'd be nice, I suppose, and easier on the sideline if, if you were more comfortable, but. I don't think there was anyone on the other illusion today that it was going to be a tough game. Yeah, that was Shane Renane speaking to Rory Noonan at uh, the end of their victory over Tipperary in the Munster Ladies Football Championship. Um, I'm having to log back into my computer here. Uh, just two seconds. I'm still laughing at that finish to the game between <laughs> between Spurs and Liverpool. Richarlison just about had his short put back on from celebrating what he thought was uh, the equaliser and maybe getting out with a point, uh, which was a miraculous recovery for Spurs <laughs> from 3-0 down to get back to 3-all and to no more have stopped celebrating. I don't know what Lucas is doing. Lucas Mora just plays a ball blind into the middle and Diogo Jota just latches off. It is Jota, yeah, it is. Um, Jota that uh, latches onto it and just finishes at the back of the net. And I'm usually, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of watching Jurgen Klopp's celebrations, but his celebration was genuinely hilarious. I'm not sure if he was trying to celebrate in the face of Ryan Mason, but it just came out like he was celebrating in the face of the fourth official. And then he put his hamstring on top of it. Let's get a full sign clip from Anfield, where it was Liverpool 4, Spurs 3. Liverpool 4, Tottenham 3, and once again, a poor start has cost Tottenham on their travels as they left themselves too much to do despite a spirited second-half comeback. Three goals inside the opening 15 minutes put Liverpool in control for Curtis Jones, Luis Diaz and a Mo Salah penalty. But then they look to have thrown the three points away after goals from Harry Kane, Son and Richarlison equalised for Tottenham. But deep into injury time, Diogo Jota fired home the winner in what was a crazy encounter. 
crazy encounter indeed at Anfield and uh, one that just adds that list for Tottenham doesn't it like it was here last week and it was the 5 or 6-1 wasn't it um, against Newcastle 5-0 uh, down after 25 minutes and it's just and then somehow they managed to draw the game against United were absolutely pathetic towards the night against them and let Spurs back into the game like how you don't finish that team off uh, look obviously they've some bit of comeback ability but Oh, what? I just cannot believe that they conceded that fourth goal. Like, it is incredible stuff and uh, maybe not that surprising either. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we'll move on from it. Um, let's talk Formula One uh, as we wind down the show. Sarah McKenzie Foley, our resident F1 expert, has uh, been on with us throughout the weekend to look at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It was won by the King of the Streets, Red Bull's Sergio Perez. Uh, I spoke with Sarah after the race this afternoon and here's what she had to say. All right, Sarah McKenzie Foley is on the line now to look back at an action-filled Azerbaijan Grand Prix around the streets of Baku and it was the uh, the king of the streets again, the street fighter Sergio Perez who took the victory. Sarah, I suppose um, the biggest moment of this race, is it fair to say, was that very ill-timed pit stop by uh, Max Verstappen inside of the garage early on in the race before a safety car? Yeah, I think it was unfortunate. And to be fair, you know, Max wasn't the only driver that was disadvantaged there as well. Hamilton, Norris and Piastri had all just pitted right before the safety car came out as well. I think obviously because of his potential to win the race that kind of became the headline um, and also I think because of the way that Red Bull communicated about Checo being quote-unquote lucky that he wasn't disadvantaged I think that does a huge disservice to Checo you know you mentioned like king of the streets he is genuinely super quick and super strong on street circuits and he had built out a very decent gap to Verstappen which despite Max's best efforts, you know, he wasn't able to catch him. So I think full credit where credit's due to Checo today. Um, that was a, a fantastic drive from him. Yeah, and that, that street circuit as well gave a few reminders to a few drivers as well. We saw a lot of drivers touch the wall and uh, it was uh, to, it, it ended Nick DeVries' race as well and I suppose it's a sharp learning curve for him. Uh, his first time, I suppose, in that environment as well and uh, uh, he learned from it, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. At the end of the day, he's still a rookie. I think people are... He has had quite a few problems, to be fair, this season already. So I think there's a few people are calling for him to to be replaced. I think that's probably a bit premature. But, you know, he will be wanting to, to definitely improve his performance going forward, especially just bringing the car home in one piece, you know, at every stage through the weekend. That's really the kind of consistency that a team is looking for. And, and we already know that Alpha Tauri and Red Bull... You know, they they uh, don't suffer fools lightly and they will kick you out if you aren't performing. So I'm hoping that, that he's able to improve going forward because I do think he has, you know, we saw last year he had had the talent to score points. So fingers crossed it'll get better from, from here. And after what was a, it was a very good race to be fair, the biggest talking point will probably be that absolute, insanity with Esteban Ocon in the pit lane where he actually it was his own fault anyway that he was had to go into that pit lane because he never stopped during the race and you have to stop once it's mandatory to stop once he actually didn't he was going in for his mandatory stop I think on the last lap wasn't it or the second last and he pulls into the pit lane and there's about 50 people standing in his way it's the most insane thing I've ever seen it's 
I honestly, I'm very, very glad that no one was hurt because when you look at the footage, they had actually started to pull a barrier across the pit lane entry just as he came down the pits. And it's, I mean, it's shocking again from the FIA. There should have never been anybody out in the pit lane. There were, you know, there were engineers from teams, there were photographers, and he very, very nearly hit a couple of people. There's already an investigation uh, underway, but I think it's, with all the sort of foolery that has happened with the FIA in the last 12 months in particular, it just doesn't look good, you know, for the sport. It, it's a total lack of professionalism, really. Yeah, it's like, it was like watching footage from the 1970s, like when they used to go into the pit lane and there was, there. I say they used to sell spectators tickets inside there nearly standing yeah. the way like it was it, it, honestly like it, I don't think I've seen anything like that in Formula 1 in, in a long long time like absolutely and it's actually not the first time last year we also had an, a similar incident I think it was with Alex Albon so you know it's, it's yet another example of the FIA not learning from their former mistakes and if, if anyone was watching the coverage on Sky the commentators had kind of copped on to what was happening before it seemed any of the stewards had realised and nobody was communicating to the people in the pit lane that they needed to get out of the way literally until the last second. So it's just, um, you know, it's again just a shambles and I think there's some some serious kind of hard looks are going to have to be had at, at that footage and at who's responsible for that. Yeah, and I suppose look like that. It, it will be. It will make for an interesting week or so to see what will happen there. And uh, I suppose who who is the independent body that's that's going to take a look at that? But uh, mm. I suppose the good news as well is that we do now have a proper race for the championship by the looks of it. Between, albeit between you know the the two Red Bull guys, but um, at least it gives it, it gives people something to cheer about. And I think a lot of people, it would be, I would be absolutely. I'd be over the moon if Sergio Perez was able to win a World Drivers' Championship. I think everyone would, to be honest. He's a real favourite. I think no matter whether you're a neutral or, or a fan of Red Bull or not, he he just really would deserve it. I think, you know, a lot of people had kind of counted him out multiple times in his career before he ever got to Red Bull. And I think really they were lucky in a sense to get him. A lot of people see it the, the other way around. They kind of they see it as Red Bull extending a lifeline to Checo for his career. But I mean, they've got a fantastic driver on their hands and he's been an amazing teammate to Max Verstappen, which is something that he hasn't received in return. And he's just continued to go out there and perform regardless. So I I, also, I agree. I would love to, to see him win it. I think the problem, which I mentioned on the show before, is that when push comes to shove, if Red Bull have to choose between those two drivers, they will always choose to benefit Max Verstappen. And, you know, Sergio Perez knows full well that that's, that's what he's up against. And I think if he could win a championship against those odds, it would be absolutely amazing. I suppose he just needs to stay in the hunt long enough for, let's say if they go 1-2 for the rest of the year, they're going to have the constructors wrapped up maybe mm. fairly quickly. And then there's a bit more freedom for Red Bull to not have to back one or the other and they can let them fight it out. I mean, potentially, I think any other team that, that might possibly happen. I think, unfortunately, I think all of it comes down to the relationship that Max Verstappen has with Christian Horner and Helmut Marko. I think they just have a soft spot for him that trumps pretty much everything. I mean, Christian Horner came on 
Max's radio after the race and as I mentioned was talking about Checo getting lucky with the safety car and you know that's that's doing a massive disservice to to the rest of the race that Checo drove so I'm probably a bit less optimistic than you um, about the chances of of Checo you know even if there weren't a big choice to be made I think the wrath of Max Verstappen uh, would be not something that Christian Horner would would like to face kind of as we saw yesterday after the sprint you know that ridiculous exchange with George Russell um, it was kind of just mind-boggling really what happened I'd be well known for my optimism right uh, <laughs> no look uh, it, it, hopefully hopefully anyway we'll, we'll get uh, if Perez can just keep proving them wrong I suppose and, and stay in the hunt yeah. um, and get it down to the last couple of races it could make for a very interesting uh, season and uh, thanks be to God because it was looking fairly bleak a couple of weeks ago so there'll be plenty to plenty to chat uh, to you about over the uh, next couple of months Sarah McKenzie Foley thanks a million for joining us on the Bigger Bench thanks so much yeah, great to chat to Sarah about all things Formula One and a victory for Sergio Perez, which puts him just six points behind Max Verstappen in the driver standings. All right, uh, communicado, aficionado from the uh, GA here. The GA have confirmed the seedings for the group stage draws in the Sam Maguire and Talchin Cup. Uh, Telchin Cups which will take place 1pm on Tuesday May the 2nd so this Tuesday coming they'll be broadcast on all the uh, GA social media channels um, Gronja McElwain who's doing the coverage for GA Go will be hosting the draws along with um, Common Luke Lasquale uh, President Larry McCarthy his final I suppose uh, time doing these sorts of draws as well um, of course from here in Bishopstown as well um, but yeah let's get into it so obviously the top seeds will be decided by the winners of the provincial finals so one of Galway Sligo they'll be 1-2 Kerry Clare Clare could be a second seed well realistically they're going to be a second seed which is you know huge for them I suppose too um, Dublin Louth and Armagh Derry so they're the 1-2 and two seeds so the third seeds then are Mayo like that's a ter- they're obviously going to be drawn with Kerry anyway I'm predicting that now Mayo, Roscommon, Tyrone and Monaghan are the third seeds and the fourth seeds are Donegal, Kildare, Westmeath and Cork just about in the Sam Maguire Cup uh, so good news uh, for John Cleary's men they can plan for the Sam Maguire Cup um, obviously look it was it was always likely they were going to end up in the Sam Maguire Cup don't get me wrong um, but it's, it's good to see it down in black and white I suppose the Telchin Cup then it's um, Top seeds, Meath, Cavan, Fermanagh, Limerick. Second seeds are down, Offaly, Antrim, Wicklow. Third seeds are Longford, Tipperary, Leash, Wexford. And fourth seeds are Leitrim, Carlow, Watford and London. All right, we're coming to the end of our show. Um, of course, recently we wrapped up our Hear Me Roar series where Valerie Mulcahy interviewed six inspiring sportswomen from Cork or who had a special connection to Cork. The project was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. So in case you missed them, we've put them all online. All the episodes are now available online. Go to redfm.e forward slash hear me roar. In this excerpt, the final episode of the series, Valerie spoke to Claire Shine about her retirement. Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. But you know, I, there was only so much my body and mind could take. Um, I tried uh, in the last two years of, of my career. Um, you know, a lot of things just weren't going right for me. Um, and that was hard to say I need to stop, so. Oh, it was one of the hardest decisions um, I think I'll ever have to make. 
just for the simple fact that you know you never know how close you are so to the, what, the Irish team now or to in general so you know setting goals and, and targets and you know that thought creeps in being like oh you're better off just giving up you're never going to get there kind of thing and I found the mountain was so high for me to climb after you know my relapse in 2020 and my body completely changed and my mind and I was on medication and a lot changed around my sporting life um, and I think you know I had put my, my mind my body through enough and it just got to a stage where I wanted to just be happy and to enjoy my life rather to you know take that risk of, of ever going downhill again and you know unfortunately uh, sport was, was one of my biggest triggers um, in doing so which how is it your trigger? Explain that to people. Um, a lot comes with sport, you know, the pressures, the expectations, the injuries, the highs and lows, the the risk factor of, of playing and, and not playing, um, of having a good game, having a bad day or having a bad game. You know, there's a lot goes on. Um, and how it affects you, the and person, how it, how it affects, affects me, yeah. Um, I am in the process of getting a diagnosis for... Um, borderline personality disorder uh, emotionally unstable um, so a lot of things hit me harder than the average person um, especially over the last you know two and a half years anyway um, since I had you know my, my recent um, episode I suppose um, and yeah I think you know I just I had to put Claire first rather yeah. than the player yeah. Um, and do what was right for me and you know I don't regret my decision at all you know I, I'm really happy um, with where I am and yeah you know I'm in the med- middle of coming off my medication as well which is another step in, in my in st- another step in my recovery um, which I'm really proud of and yeah so it's just there was a lot going on um, and I just needed to you know step aside and, and say enough is enough um, a sport will always be a part of my life don't get me wrong um, and I love it and I've made some incredible friends I've travelled around the world and ultimately it did give me my life back um when I felt like I had lost it so that is something that I am forever grateful for yeah that's a clip from Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy speaking to Claire Shine that's uh, Claire Shine on her retirement and uh, those two episodes they're, they're the final part of Hear Me Roar brilliant brilliant episode uh, Valerie Mulcahy speaking to Claire Shine um, alright that is all we have time for today what a show what a packed show that was reacting to Cork's victory over Waterford in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship don't forget you can catch it on redfm.ie check the big red bench and get all your podcasts there it's also available on all uh, podcast platforms and don't forget redfm.ie forward slash hear me roar to hear back uh, all of those uh, fantastic episodes as well well done to Rory and uh, Valerie as well for putting all that together really really good stuff alright that is it for us thanks a million for tuning in Uh, hope we shortened that drive home from Parky Cueve if you're on the road listening in Uh, good old day for the Rebels Um, unfortunately Fortunately, a loss for the Camogie team, but victory as well for the ladies footballers. So, uh, swings and roundabouts. Corker into the Sam Maguire as well, <laughs> which is another positive to take. And uh, like that, Cork on 20 Monster Finals on the horizon as well. All right, we're out of time. Green on Red is on the way next with Mags Blackburn. 
The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Only Irish. This is Green on Red.